just a brief introduction of our preacher. Come on out here, BG. Um, so BG, short for Brian Garrison, he's uh, coming to us um, from the Episcopal Church. He'll tell you a little bit about that in his introduction to his message, but has now joined the Anglican Church in North America and had a pretty powerful experience right here in this sanctuary when the Lord started moving and stirring in his life. And he was the rector of a large church about the size of this one with a school down in DeLand, and he's now helping uh, at in Middleburg at Good Samaritan Church. So I'm super excited that you're here. I want to pray for you and then uh, have you preach God's word to us. Lord, I'm grateful for my friend BG, thankful for the gifts that you've given him. I pray that you would anoint his words this morning, that you would encourage us to be worshipers of you, and that you would strengthen your church this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Let me just first say to you that you are so blessed to have such a rector as Pastor Mike, Father Mike. He's a dear friend or come to be a dear friend in this last year and two months. Um, and I know that the ministry here at Grace is, is an incredible ministry because you have an incredible leader who follows Jesus. And uh, so thank you, Mike, for your friendship and for the things we've shared together. It is, it is an honor. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you this morning, to, to share with you part of my story and what's happening in our lives. It was right here in this church. Susan, raise your hand. Right there, we were sitting somewhere close to that about a year, almost a year and two months ago today. And we showed up right when the gospel reading was ending. Now, I am a priest, and so I tried to convince my wife that we should go to some other church on the way here, all the way here, because I knew we were running late, and no one wants to be late into the church. But we were running late, and she goes, no, we're supposed to be there this morning. And so we kept driving up from DeLand to come and be with you on that day. Susan and I have been married for 25 years. We have four children. One's a freshman in college up at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. The other three are still at home. Two of them are on the retreat with your youth group this weekend, coming home today. The other one was supposed to be on that retreat, but he got a little under the weather on Friday and stayed home. Thus, we had a very different weekend than we had thought we might have. But trust me, trust me when I say that we never expected, we never expected what God would reveal when we came to worship that day. At that time, a year and two months ago, I had been a priest for 17 years in the Episcopal Church. I was at my current position for 11 years at that time. And I had served as a youth minister for eight years before that in the Diocese of Central Florida under Bishop John Howe, whom some of you might know. I grew up attending St. Andrews by the Sea Episcopal Church in Destin, Florida. And I'd only been outside the Episcopal Church when I went to college where during those years, I worshiped in Baptist churches. I worshiped in non-denominational churches. I served on staff at a non-denominational church. I worshiped in Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches. I worshiped in some charismatic traditions. And though those years were formative, I found my home back in the Episcopal church, and I slowly began to see, I slowly began to understand the rich heritage of faith that had held me as a child. A year and two months ago, and even before that, but certainly then, I was very discouraged, very discouraged from the direction of the Episcopal Church, which, as you know, had been going a long time before then. But I was very discouraged of, of the Episcopal Church, the direction it was taking. I was very discouraged or disheartened by what I was seeing from Canterbury and the direction it was going. And so, 
we decided to come to Grace Church to check out an ACNA church just to see what they were all about. On a Sunday morning, if you're a priest, you don't get out much. And that day, God ministered to our family in a way that only God can. And just barely a year later, I received a call to Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg. And that's why I'm with you today. I wish I had time to tell you the whole story of what happened from last July to today. I wish I could tell you all the little ways in which God ministered to us, that God spoke to us so clearly. As I left my current church at St. Barnabas, I told them that as we were going through this journey, it felt like we were clearing a thicket in front of us. But when we turned around on the backside and looked back, we could see it was a very wide pathway that the Lord was leading us on. And it was clear, and there's no mistake, that's the direction we had to go. And for me not to go would then be disobedience and thus sin in my life. And so I wish I could tell you the ways in which that road or that path got cleared out. And maybe one day I'll have a chance to tell you a little bit more to the story. But I can promise you this, it is no less, for me, in my heart, in my mind, it's no less than a miracle of God's presence. It's no less than a miracle of God's power. It's no less than a miracle of God's purposes being made known and coming to fruition in our family. So let me ask you this morning, have you ever thought, have you ever thought that God might have a miracle waiting for you that right now you cannot fathom, but nonetheless, it is God's heart, it is God's desire for you? regardless of how old or regardless of how young you might be. Over 20 years ago, I was having a conversation with a friend, and my friend asked me a question that I've not ever forgotten. It's a very simple question, and perhaps you've heard it or answered it before in your own life. And his question was this, what is the purpose of our Sunday worship? Now, I answered back quickly. I responded quickly, and I said to him, I said, it's the pepper alley. It's, it's the time when the people of God get filled up so they can go out. It's like getting filled up at the gas station so you can make it through the rest of the week. Maybe you felt like that yourself or answered that question that way, or perhaps you've heard someone at least say something like that before. But what I discovered since that time, so that was like about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, that he asked that question. And since that time, I realized how wrong I was. Because that question made me start to pay attention. It made me start to realize something. I started to pay attention to what I was going through, what I was experiencing as I attended church. And I realized that I left church more often than not disappointed by my experience because I did not get filled up in the way that I thought I needed. I would show up for church, I would say a few prayers. I would hope that God would bless me or fill me in the way that I thought I needed in order to make it through life, the things I knew coming my way. But what I found out was there was always something that took place that would prevent that from happening. The music wasn't what I wanted. The sermon was too long or too short or too boring. The baby was crying. That kid was distracting that old couple in the first row were talking so loud, when are they going to get hearing aids? 
They didn't laugh at the first service as much as that. <laughs> the sound system failures, the video glitches, the poorly done liturgy, which for me back then I would have actually said, those written prayers, when is someone going to actually say a prayer on their own? Seldom, if ever, was the service just what I needed in the way that I needed it. And more often than not, I left disappointed from what I did not receive instead of filled and ready for the week. If our Sunday worship was the pep rally, if our Sunday worship was filling me up so I could make it through the week, then I had a dismal record of satisfying or successful worship. I would keep searching for something more. And I found myself saying at times, even though I worked in the church, I would say things like, if I didn't work in this church, I would probably attend such and such church down the street because there I could truly worship. Now, maybe you've had an experience like this before or perhaps you've never even thought about it. But as I describe it, it does sort of make sense and define what you've experienced in worship from time to time. And if not any of that, then it probably at least makes your conversations come to clarity that you might have had with your children or your grandchildren about their experience in church. After reading the lessons for this morning, and I hope that you were able to hear and listen to those, we might all be sitting on the edge of our seat, wondering, what does God really want from me? What does God really want from me? You, I've learned that God welcomes everyone. God welcomes everyone to come and worship him. But once you come to worship God, you will never leave the same. You may enter, the, you may enter a fool, as our text in Ecclesiastes talks about, but you'll go out wiser than when you came in. You may think that your life or your worship is all about what you need, but you'll realize that he is king, and there's only one thing that truly matters. See, all those years, all those years where I came to worship looking for what I thought I needed, for what I wanted from God, those years left me still searching and questioning in my heart, does God know who I am? Does God see me? Does he, does he know what I need in my life? Where are you, God? And God, why won't you just fix my problems today? Like the woman at the well in our gospel text. I kept thinking, I know that one day God will show up and all this will make sense. But I was looking for more. And the more was defined by what I felt or what I thought I needed. I failed to see God standing in front of me. And if I would listen long enough to hear him speak, the Holy Spirit would pierce my heart like Jesus pierced the heart of the woman in our text this morning. And indeed, I would see that Jesus is a prophet. And even more than that, the son of the living God. I told Mike during this service, the 730 or 745 service, they started reading the psalm, and I thought, oh my goodness, that's not the psalm I read. But it still works. It's still similar, but I looked up and read Psalm 24 as either what y'all read last week or as what you're going to read next week. So you'll get a little bit of bonus in here for, from that. 
But in Psalm 24, it says, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. In Ecclesiastes, God is the one you must fear. In the gospel, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The point of our worship, the point of our worship is not to tell God what I need him to do or to fill me up so that I can make it through the week and endure the trials that I face in life. The point of our worship is not even the hopes that God will somehow make all things clear. The point of our worship is God. The point of our worship is God. God is worthy of our worship, period. He alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of our adoration. Look at Jesus on the cross. The love of the Father poured out for you. What do you make of that? What will you do with that? There is but one response to worship, to praise, to adore the one from whom this love has come. To you, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Our worship leads us there if we'll pay attention. Again from Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has a clean heart and a pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. It is because of the great love of God for us that we are invited to come and worship. And only in, and only through, and only because of Jesus Are we able to worship? And when we worship God for who he is, we encounter the king of glory, and we will never be the same. When I began to come and worship God, not for what I thought I needed from him, but because of who he is and that he is worthy of my worship, my life began to change. Those things that once distracted me from authentic worship now didn't matter. Because the worship wasn't about me. It didn't matter if I had been perfect all week long, doing everything just as I needed to do, or if my life had been a miserable failure and I found myself repenting yet again. I could lay it down at the foot of the cross and I could worship God for who he is. The music, the prayers, the sermons were all ways in which we shared in that worship together. And for the past 18 years since I've had that revelation, and that's when it's been, it was when I became a priest that I finally understood what that worship was about. But for 18 years now, and I was in a church like this with three services for the last 12 years, I've been in church more in the last 18 years than I've ever been in my whole life. 
But for the last 18 years, since I've learned this lesson, I have never been disappointed in worship. I have never gone home wondering, does God know me? Does God even see the things I'm going through? Does he know what I need? I've never left the worship service empty or lacking. In fact, any longing that I had for more was actually wanting to stay in his presence and with his people rather than looking for something else to satisfy. When I worship in spirit and truth, knowing he is God and I am not, accepting his invitation to to know him and to be loved by him, when I set my heart, when I set my mind to worship him because he alone is worthy of my worship, it doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life right now. It doesn't matter what I think I need. When I come to worship him, God meets me exactly where he knows I need to be needed, need to be met. He refreshes my soul. He revives my spirit. He renews my mind according to his will and not my own. And it's in this place of worship where I experience miracles taking place. And it blows my mind. It blows my mind that the king of glory has invited me to come and lift up my head and see his glory come in. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that God might have a miracle waiting for you that right now you cannot fathom, but nonetheless is God's heart and God's desire for you, regardless of how old, or how young you might be. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Will you worship him? Will you worship him? regardless of where you are, regardless of where you have been, will you worship him? Regardless of your doubts, regardless of your fears, will you worship him? Regardless of what you think you need, will you worship him? Regardless of how in control you think your life might be, will you worship him? You can come as you are, but you cannot stay that way. For when you worship him, for who he is, miracles start to take place that you could have never imagined. The king of glory is present, and he changes you to be and become who his heart desires for you to be. And the world begins to see Jesus through us, his church. Let it be. Oh, let it be. Amen.